Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 44. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. If you're joining us for the first time, we wanted a way to, I don't know, create a system or a structure for getting to show each other um, films, movies, TV shows that were important to us that the other person had never seen before. And then have an excuse to have a conversation about it. Yes. And uh, we're bringing the conversation, bringing you into the conversation as you know, one of us is looking for at looking at these things for the first time. So we take turns. One mm-hmm. of us chooses. That's true. We both watch together, and then we unpack it all here. Yes. And uh, this time, it was my choice. It was your choice. What did you choose, Dave? I chose the 1984 film by Vim Vendors, Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas. Yes. I had not seen previously for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why I hadn't seen it. I know people have talked about it. Like my whole life, people have talked about it. I mean, maybe they, to, were, maybe they were just talking about the town. I, I doubt it because like Paris, Texas is not much of a town, really. You know, it's interesting. I've never been I've, I've lived in Texas like pretty much. I was born in Arkansas, but grew yeah. up in Texas. I've been a lot of places in the state. I've not been to Paris, Texas. Um, I've not been to many of the places in Texas that they ended up. Um, I've been to Houston. I've been to yeah. Fort Stockton, but uh, I've been. I, I don't they know. didn't go to Paris, Texas in the movie. No, it's just an idea. It's a metaphor. Paris, Texas is an idea. I love that <laughs> because you turned to me when the movie started um, with the which seemed to be like Monument Valley or something like that. That uh, the yeah. opening shot with the which doesn't make sense geographically for the film. The no. whole thing is a metaphor. No. Yeah. But anyway, you looked at me and said. That's not. It was that's like not Texas. Utah or something. And I they said, were they not... know it's not Texas. Okay. <laughs> Although it doesn't make sense that he's in Utah so based the, on the, the rest of the scene, opening scene. Yeah, he's not in Texas, but the this where he ends up like passed out is actually in Trilingua. Trilingua, which, which is well. Let's back up a little bit. Um, well, first of all, um, <laughs> I just wanted to note. What did you say to me when the movie ended? You looked at me and you were like. You don't remember. I don't know. You were like, Do you I re- you were, yes, <laughs> you said, I want to talk about this right now. Okay. Yeah. And I, I did. said, we can't talk about it. Yeah, I know. And then a couple of times we looked at each other and wanted, started to say something and said, well, we can't talk about this. Well, I'll tell you why, but I think probably we should uh, summarize the film before I uh, get into it. Um. Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, I I think it's pretty easy to sum up, but essentially we have a man wandering the deserts. Um, Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. um, Plays Travis. Yeah, and he was born in 1926, so he was almost 60 when... I didn't realize that. You know, we only just lost him in the past year. 2017, yeah. Um, I love Harry Dean Stanton. I can't remember the first thing I saw him in, but I always really liked him. Well, the um, long lost, uh, never to be an episode of the podcast movie. Oh, that Repo he, Man. Repo Man was the other one same I year, showed you. Same year. Same year. Uh, also 1984. And um, Dean Stockwell is in this, and it's right around the time, just before Blue Velvet. When yeah. He, so, <laughs> so we have a man wandering the desert, and then um, he passes out in a bar, and um, somebody gets a phone call. His brother gets a phone call. His brother lives in LA, works as a really neat job is making those road giant roadside billboard ads ads, (laughs) you know um and his long lost brother who's been missing for like four years suddenly 
is in this weird clinic in Trilingua, um, in Texas. He won't speak. Yeah, he won't talk. He's He's mute. mute. He's silent. So his brother, you know, comes comes to Trilingua, has to bargain for his stuff. And by the time he gets there, his brother is already headed out, walking again by himself. He tracks him down, you know, by following the railroad track, I guess. Yeah. Um, So the first part of the movie is them driving back to um, L.A., where we've discovered that Harry Dean Stanton has a son that his brother has Hunter. been raising in yeah. L.A. with his wife. Anne is the wife. Anne. Um, she's French. So I guess from the, the chronology of the movie, the kid is almost eight. So it seems like he was abandoned when he was about three, three and a half years old. So he has some memories of his previous parental mm-hmm. units, but mostly he's been living with... Um, Raised by yeah. um, Travis's brother and, and the wife. So Walt is the, the kid is yeah. resistant at first to this new guy who they, you know, up front are like, this is your dad. You know, they're, they're, they don't hide that from him. And then slowly they become friends again. And then um, they decide to go find uh, the kid's mother. Jane. Hunter's mother, who the last thing they heard was somewhere in Houston. She she puts some amount of money in a savings account for Hunter on the fifth of every month at a certain bank in a Houston, specific bank in Houston. So they um, he essentially kidnaps the kid, um, <laughs> takes him back to Houston um, with a car that he bought, and um, they wait at the bank till they see a woman who may or may not be Hunter's mom. Um, and then they follow her to where she works as a peep show performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of really intense conversations that they have. But ultimately, um, Harry Dean Stanton wants to return the boy to his mother. And, and you know, he doesn't, he doesn't think that he can be part of that family. And we don't but, really know that till yeah. the very end. Yeah, We don't exactly. know what his intentions are that's or true. what's going to come out of it. Yeah. I feel like that's the last great beat of the story yeah. and what it's all about is the fact that he's just putting the family together and then yeah. moving on himself. Yeah. He's, he's going back re- to the desert, I guess. Mother and child. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We could talk about why did I choose the movie? Yes. Why did you choose this movie? I love the movie so yeah. much. I'm, I've always been a big fan of Vim Vanders who also probably is other movies most people would know would be Wings of Desire. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like The American Friend, a film he did with Dennis Hopper um, in the 70s. Uh, he's been around for for a long time, making some of the most interesting movies that kind of... And, and he's always been straddling this sort of borderline. He, you can tell he's deeply invested in American film and America as a place. Yeah. So he often films stuff over here. or And he, he has what I think is a unique eye in seeing what America through a kind of a different lens, through an yeah. outsider's lens. But that, that aside, this to me is his most like emotionally resonant movie. Mm. He's not, he doesn't tend to be a very emotional director to really hit that in the story. I don't mm. think that's what he's trying to do most of the time. I saw this around when it came out. So I would have been pretty young. I probably yeah. saw it within a year or two of it coming out in 84, 85. So I would have been a teenager about 15 years old. I think I probably saw it on Showtime or something like that. 
Um, and even then it, it, I was just really developing a taste for slower films, cinema, as opposed to like movies, you know, (laughs) I mean, something that takes its time and that's about the visuals and about the tone and the, 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 the emotions and the feeling and everything that a movie can be. And let's not forget the, the score, the, that guitar score, that very plaintive, Rykuder, just iconic score. I like, I like this movie so much. <laughs> I don't think we can imitate that very well with our voices. So um, I like this so much that I used to, that I would check out the um, the record from the mm. library of the score back then when I was a teenager. I used to take the bus down to the big giant main library in San Francisco like Civic random Center. Chords just every once in a while. Yeah, and that and it, it was a great record. Um, anyway, yeah. So it's always been. It's always. And I love Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. I've been wanting to show this to you for a while. I was really happy. I mean, surprised, but happy that you hadn't see it, seen it before so that I could be the one to show it to you. And I've been wanting to do it on this show for over, I mean, since the beginning. Yeah. And I kind of feel like I was waiting for the right time or the yeah. right place. Um, we've been away for a while. Audience, yeah. you know, we've been on kind of a hiatus during the we holidays. We did drive across Texas. We did drive across <laughs> Texas. So well, there, I did it twice. Just a but. number of like sort of synchronicity sort of things converge to make it feel like the right time. Yeah. And I also think we needed, we've been on uh, vacation for yeah. about three weeks now. Yeah. Um, for the winter break between our work at in an academic library. So, you know, they have the semester break and so do we. And we needed that space, I think, to be able to see this not like there were times when i was like we haven't watched the film for the podcast yet yeah and it was like this is not the movie to put on on a tuesday night at nine o'clock it needed watch it on a monday night though yeah but not with the pressure of going to bed for work (laughs) and being you know after a long day with the girls or something like that we watched it straight through didn't we or did we we watched it all in one viewing which i was also hoping we could do i didn't actually know we would be able to but it needed that space Mm-hmm. It needed this kind of recharging time that we have yeah. in December, <laughs> early January, to watch it. Um, and I haven't, I haven't rewatched it in in a long time. I yeah. mean, probably at least ten years. And then, so then the other synchronicity thing that happened was, I honestly had forgotten that it was written by Sam Shepard, yeah. the playwright and actor, Sam Shepard. And I haven't, I'm not very familiar with his plays. I think yeah. I saw a film adaptation of Fool for Love at some point in the 80s. But we were in San Francisco recently for the holidays. And um, we went to, of course, City Lights Bookstore, like our favorite <laughs> bookstore, one of our favorite bookstores in the world. And I was just looking around. What I do when I go to City Lights is I look to see what, I'm not always looking for something specific. I, I look to see what unique, <clears throat> excuse me, interesting things catch my eye and just on one of those shelves of published by city lights i saw a copy of motel chronicles by sam shepherd and it, you know it's a stark yellow book i'm holding it up right now you can't see it it's published in 1982 and i don't think i even noticed this in the store it's just a but it is just a collection of fragments and short writings pieces he wrote mostly memoir and autobiographical some some short stories spun out of you know, a, a particular feeling, some poetry, some dialogue. 
Um, but I got it back to our hotel room, and on the back of it, I saw scenes from this book form the basis of his play Superstitions and of the recent film Paris, Texas, winner of the mm-hmm. Golden Palm Award at 1984 Cannes Film Festival. And I was, had no idea that this book was at all connected to Paris, Texas. And so then I was reading it going like, what in here connects to Paris, Texas? And I kept waiting for there to be a more specific short story Mm. or fragment or memory. And I was like, Sam Shepard must be the Travis character. And so there was going to be something about, you know, this quiet, lonesome, you know, like disconnected man in the desert. Mm. So it does have that feeling about it. And yet there's nothing specific that's been, there's no specific thing that has been literally adapted from this book. It is a collection mm. of memoirs and fragments. And yet, this does have the feeling of a Travis-type mm-hmm. character struggling with feeling disconnected from friends and relatives and stuff like that. So um, so then I was like, now we have to do this. Yeah. I read this book in like three days or something like mm. that. And then I was eager to see the film again and to talk about it. And um, here we are. Yeah, that was a really long <laughs> ramble on on why this movie is the right time and why it's yeah. important. So now I have to ask, how, how did you do with this? What? what did, well, I I really liked it. I mean, I so it's interesting because you said that. I mean, I think we talked about this briefly, which we shouldn't have, but that you really liked Vem Vendors the way he sees. America, and you thought that maybe that was like an outsider's eye. But the thing is, is to me, that is very much how I see things. Yeah. This, I mean, like, Intralingua is, but all of that sort of West Texas, mm-hmm. um, Big Bend, uh, that area, it's not very far from where I grew up, but those sort of, those scenes with the like long distances where you can see the horizon and, and, you know, everywhere I lived looked like that, or I wasn't very far from, and then there were always every 30 miles or so, yeah. these little towns made of brick or stone or, and there were these, you know, during the prosperous times of the 1950s after the war, there were these like futuristic looking gas stations. And then, you know, but then because it's the middle of nowhere and there's peaks and valleys and, and the depression hit hard there and all of that stuff, there's all these like abandoned places too with like, you know, that are overgrown with like weeds and, you know, old pumps that are rusting. And, and that is just, I mean, that is where I grew up. I grew up in one of those little towns that was actually pr- prosperous. But you I know? think you're taking for granted <laughs> yeah. your eye. Yeah. <laughs> because you have that aesthetic. Yeah. And I saw the photos you just came back that you casually From shot Coleman, in yeah. Coleman, Texas on your the little road trip <laughs> yeah. you did yesterday. And that looks like it could be from Vim Bender's location scouting yeah. book. He published several mm-hmm. books of of photos of their location scouting for this so many little but i don't see that on film very often yeah that's true i don't see that you know the like let's just sit here with the camera on the railroad tracks and the blue sky and and the dirt you know and a shack so i mean let's see the neon sign glowing there above the crumbling brick building yeah i don't see that in the movies very often or the pace of that either and 
I don't know. I know you have that eye. Yeah. You are a photographer too. Well, it's it's funny. Like I have specific memories of, of railroad tracks. We had a railroad track running through our town. Um, you know that didn't wasn't very active, but we would put pennies on the rail and yeah. like come back a few days later and find our <laughs> collect your flattened, smashed pennies, flattened pennies. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and it's it's freight trains out there. It's not passenger yeah. trains or anything like that. Um, Although for a long time they didn't use the railroads out there, I think they've started using them again. But I mean, it, it appealed to me because it is very some, something that I'm very intimately familiar with. And knowing that, I mean, like you traveled these long distances. I mean, bigger than Germany. You know, going from West Texas to Houston is is larger than than Germany. You know. Um, you know, or traveling that Western mm-hmm. part. I mean, and that's just Texas. I mean, not to mention New Mexico and Arizona going out to, to LA, which they had to drive because he wouldn't get on the plane. Uh. <laughs> of course not. I, so I was, rem- I was watching some of the supplements that came on the criterion yeah. version of the disc last night. And I had forgotten that Vim vendors production company is road movie. Mm. He makes road movies, yeah. and then like that suddenly like flipped in my mind. I was like, oh yeah, a lot of his films are like that. Like yeah. he made an epic, like th- I mean, epic. Not uh, he made a three-hour yeah. film, like one of his most famous films in the seventies was Kings of the Road. King of the Road, Kings of the Road, King of the Road. I don't know. It's I think the you song. were watching. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> um, King of the Road, um, and that is at least three hours long, black and white. It's just following to two guys like a guy who whose job is like going from town to town repairing the projections projectors mm. in ramshackle movie theaters and some weird random businessman kind of guy he picks yeah. up i think i have only seen it once but they he didn't have a script for that film he just had an itinerary yeah <laughs> and their thing was they were going to travel from north to south in germany al- along the border between east germany and mm. west before the break yeah. before the wall fell and uh, and a, an amazing film came out of that. Yeah. It does have a story, sort yeah. of, but it's <laughs> but that's not what he was doing. Yeah. He makes these movies about actual journeys. Yeah, and this was a movie where I think it's probably because it's a collaboration with Sam Shepard and and L. M. Kit Carson also um, worked on the screenplay as well. So I don't want to leave him out of the mix. Yeah. And he's the dad. <laughs> he the screenwriter is also the father of the child actor yeah. Hunter Carson. Um, who's really good but it's the sam shepherd connection the fact that this was a collaboration and they did work on this for months like they they started with the book motel chronicles and they were gonna they were they were originally they had other versions of stuff coming out of this where they were like trying to adapt stuff straight out of the book and it wasn't working and there was one version that was going to be about a preacher yeah. So there was another version of the screenplay that was going to focus much more on Travis and on the brothers. And then it turned into, well, what they really wanted to say or what Sam Shepard really wanted to say was something about the relationship between a man and a woman. Yeah. Um, and the family unit, that sort of thing. I don't know. It all con- comes together to yeah. me. Well, it's it's interesting because it goes from that. I mean, it, it does feel very drifty and casual. And then... In the latter, like two thirds, well, the like the, somewhere at the like two thirds mark is the first major conversation that he has with his ex. I would say almost the entire last act of the yeah. film is is, is that long, conversation com- is convers- the monologue. Well, in there's that room. an initial conversation and then a longer conversation where he he lays everything out um, 
I think the first conversation. He is tells her just, a story. Yeah. He doesn't even. It's in third person. Yeah. He, he tells, can't even look at her. He he, he turns his he, back on her. So, so we need to. If you've never seen the film, the when he he finally traces her down to a sort of adult peep show kind of thing, and let's describe that setup a little quick because it's very. So odd, I, but it I works was, so well on film. I was like, are peep shows actually like this? Because it was like they had set up these little booths with the uh, one-way glass where the person who's viewing the peep show can see in, but the person who is performing can't see the person that's mm-hmm. watching them. So it's a two-way, or what is that mirror it's called? It's a one-way mirror, right? But it's called a two-way mirror because you can see through it if the lighting is That's whatever. Right. He yeah. can see her, she can't see him. Unless she turns the lights out. But And then they have like... Each room has a theme. The, the, yeah, they each have a theme. Like one is a hotel room and one is like a suburban house. And, you know... And they can talk to each other. Mm. There's a telephone on his side of the mirror. Yeah. And she has a little An box, intercom. like a little intercom box yeah. on her side. And then she's the, ob- it's like a, she's the, you said, this is like some weird version of like 80s phone sex yeah. or something like that. <laughs> um, I just, cause I thought, and this may be true because I, I did a little bit of reading on this, but they said that for this film, they sort of changed up the traditional peep show aesthetic because they needed it to be a little more conversational than it would be. But I was under the impression that there were just naked girls dancing and you go in and you watch that. Maybe you could, I don't know. And this seemed a little more like girlfriend experience without the, you know, and I, it, it, it actually brought up like lots of questions for me. Like I was like, I, I mean, and I have some awareness of this sort of thing, but I wonder about how much of sex work actually is just dealing with the emotional needs of men. Um, because yeah. I, I mean, like from, I, I listen to Dan Savage a lot and he says that a lot of the women who call in who do that sort of thing say that a lot of their time is spent doing emotional work rather than the actual sex work. Well, so I think that's kind of her, interesting. <laughs> he tells her, I just want to talk to you. There's a moment yeah. where she's going to take off her sweater yeah. and presumably be topless underneath. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 stop. stop, stop. He doesn't want that. Yeah. Can I just talk to you? Yeah. And, she, and I mean, she doesn't seem surprised no. by that. And she or says, anything I have like all that. the time in the world. Yeah. You can talk to me about whatever you want to. Boy, what a hard job. So it's job. Nastasia Kinski. <laughs> That's all it's about. <laughs> Nastasia Kinski plays Jane. Yeah. The wife. Um, there's a huge a age good, difference such between a good them. He's about he's sixty or so, and she's they say she's about twenty five in the script. I don't know yeah. how old she actually was, but she looks she's like around she, she looks 26. like she's about twenty five. Yeah. Um and then, so after this whole languid journey through the desert and the reunion with his brother, brother's wife, and his son, yeah. and, and struggling through the, the, the all those very quiet scenes, and then the journey out to see her. And of course, he talks again, yeah. right? Like, it's the first half hour or so of the movie. And then he finds his voice again. He can reconnect. He can start talking to people. And then you get to that room. Yeah. That peep show room. And it must be 30 minutes, 45 minutes. It's about the last, I feel like it's the last quarter of the movie or something. Yeah. It's really the last act is this extraordinary, like very quiet, those two conversations that they have. Yeah. One, when he first tracks, when he first finds her and then he sets up the boy in a 
in a hotel, one of those high rise yeah. hotels in Houston. And then he goes back like the next day. And that's when he, he tells her the story. Yeah. I think he had he about re- what happened between them. Yeah. The violence and the uh, and intensity of his um, jealous, uh, all consuming love for her. Yeah. And that, that smothering effect on her and, and all of that, that ended up in her well, fleeing. Well, it sounds with like she boy. may have had postpartum depression too. Yeah. On top of that, because things, things were not things so went good down. after yeah. she had the kid. Um, I think it's interesting that the, the longer conversation actually takes place in the suburban kitchen household thing. And like one of the big moments is Does that. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. You mean the background that they're in? Yeah. The, the, the first one. I oh, first the first one was like a motel set. Yeah. And the I sec- didn't notice the second one. And the one second was one was like a suburban kitchen. You just totally added more to yeah. this because I didn't <laughs> notice that. Yeah. But every time I see that scene, I stop seeing it and yeah. just listen to his voice. Mm-hmm. And her face. She's such a good actress. It's so good. So I was reading an interview with Harry Dean. I'm going to, he's my friend. I'm going to call yeah, him Harry Dean. That's fine. Um, Otherwise, it's three words. It's yeah. lots. <laughs> well, he said that Sam Shepard and Vim Vendors, well, Vim didn't want him to, he didn't want any of them to ever act anything. He mm. didn't want them to perform anything. And they were just told to like, just say that, just yeah. say these words. And I think Sam Shepard said, just, just find the rhythm of it as if it's poetry. Yeah. So they didn't, it's it not beautiful. like yeah. you could not give this to Al Pacino yeah. <laughs> and not have it like completely chewed to bits or something like yeah. that. Um, he just spoke the words in, a, in I don't know if you've seen Harry Dean Stanton in other films where he's that quiet because yeah. often they cast him as a very enraged, angry, intense yeah. sort of kind of on edge. Grumpy, yeah. Right? Repo yeah. Man is the polar opposite yeah. of this. <laughs> Where he's chewing the scenery and well, not he's not chewing the scenery. That is that character. Yeah. Um, that monologue where he tells the story of there was a man. Yeah. It's one of the tracks on the record on the on the soundtrack. They actually put the monologue yeah. on on the soundtrack album. It's so beautiful. I don't. It's it's interesting. I. If I think the the experience of watching the movie was so enjoyable, but like when I start to think about like the implications of what's going on there, that's when I'm kind of like, so I I don't want to do that. I do think that that's a shitty thing to do to that kid, <laughs> you know, just to take him away from what he's known for forever. I mean, like I understand, I guess. I don't know. It's it just seems like you would have after four years wandering in the desert, maybe gained a little. I don't know. There's something about know. there's something about. Like I also feel like I don't want to go down that path of yeah. thinking through the psychological realities of this yeah. because, as a work of art, it yeah. has the logic of poetry it mm. has the logic of a play well, it, it, feels it feels the, thematically coherent it feels those it, dram- it's it feels like i mean like especially those last scenes it feels like it's written by an expert dramatist it feels it feels like that moonlight for the misbegotten well, it feels like that sort of catharsis that comes from 
people finally saying the thing that they haven't been saying forever, you know. This isn't... Even the... You mentioned that, like, he essentially kidnaps Hunter. I mean, like, yeah. But this (laughs) isn't played as a kidnapping. No, it's not. It's not received even as a kidnapping, even in the moment where they make a phone call back home to Anne and Walt. Which, by the way, they're not in San Bernardino. They're in Cabazon. I'll just say that. Okay. I lived in the Riverside. The location of, their, of Walt's house. And, yeah, yeah. So well, Cabazon's closer to Palm Springs than Even the reaction, even the, the <laughs> that sort of turbulent phone call, yeah. it's not that turbulent. Yeah. They're not really reacting as if a kidnapping has taken place. Uh, it's just kind feel, of just like, I, you, Travis, you need to turn the car around yeah. and bring him back right now. And so, then that's all left yeah. aside. In the movie, I feel so terrible for Anne, though. I mean, like, she's like... I mean, like, officially her hands are tied. They've raised him as their son. They love him as Mm. their own son. Yeah, there's like, and they're, I think their part was cut down significantly from from what I saw. Um, So I think that there was originally planned to be a part where they were going to try to go back to, they were driving across country to go to Houston to find... But I don't you think know. this this story can contain that. No. It's not their story. No, it's it's Travis's story. Yeah, I mean it's that it's it's Travis and Jane and Hunter's story. And how does the, do you remember the last shots of the movie? How does it end? Does Hunter seem like he's been ripped away from his family? No, he's he. I he don't melts know. in his yeah, mother's arms. She 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 comes to the hotel room. He, oh my god! In that beautiful. Um, twilight scene of him watching that from the top of the parking garage so just so lovely (laughs) essentially their conversation that monologue ends with him giving jane the telling her that hunter's waiting for her yeah he tells her the hotel meridian hotel Mm -hmm. room 1520 1520 yes good one yeah I'm so glad that they repeated it because I was like, is she going to remember the room number? And then like they wrote it in the script, 15, 20, like again, as yeah. a repetition, 10 minutes after they yeah. mentioned it the first time. I was like, that's good, Sam Shepard. Yeah. That's good. Well, and it's funny. It's the Double Tree in downtown Houston yeah. is the location. And then the the parking garage is a parking garage. like The one that he's standing on his, when he's which, watching. Uh, that, I mean, that shot, that is the kind of shot that I always try to get that sort of... The, the beautiful, look. beautiful, the sun has just gone down and the sky has still got this sort of glow at the bottom and then it fades to the deep indigo and then the, I don't know, it's beautifully uh, photographed there. Were you, I, I can And never, the red tail lights, it's just, and his. I knew you would like Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is uh, um, Vin Bender's primary cinematographer, Robbie yeah. Mueller. Yeah. Um, Robbie Mueller also shoots a lot of, Jim Jarmusch movies. Okay. I think he shot Down by Law, which we mm. did was one of maybe our second episode. I think our second of the episode, show. yeah. And and I think they still work together. Yeah. Um, no, actually they don't because Robbie Mueller passed away about a year and a half ago. I remember we mentioned that on That's the show. That's right, yeah. Um anyway, I'm really glad you like that cinematography. I knew I was hoping it would appeal to you. The, I, I the look just, and feel of the of the movie, the aesthetic yeah, the of the movie. Bright light shining from the hotel rooms and then this dim this beautiful <clears throat> dim, you know, solitary man. Yeah. You know, his silhouette and then, you know, the taillights as he drives away. It's just um really lovely, you know. 
So I can never go back and experience the ending mm. again. So I'm kind of curious how how did you accept that? How does it feel that it's the mother and son that he brings together? Were you surprised that he drives away? I'm I'm not. I think that Did you know that's what he was up to? Was there a well, point where you we, realized he's just bringing them together? No, I did I I mean I didn't realize I actually I totally forgotten said it. that. Yeah, I I thought I did, and maybe he didn't know that that's what he was planning to do until he saw her because like their first conversation um he gets a little his voice gets a little hard when he talks about like whether she goes home with her clients you know well, on that the was slide. the old him that yeah. actually so I the- think that in that first meeting with her I think he was feeling out how he would feel to see her again and I think that he realized that his anger and jealousy was not. It's still there. After four, even after four years wandering the wilderness, he <clears> still, <throat> you know, he wasn't he wasn't right for them. He couldn't make it work with them. But then, I think because then we he doesn't write. He writes a letter to Hunter, which we get to see the kid reading. I forgot about in that, that. Which that it's a that um, shot from the hotel room is really cool. I, Hunter I think, sitting in the window ledge. Yeah, and he's listening to a recording he's left behind on a. Small portable oh, small voice portable. recorder. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's not. It's not really. Now, a what, is, what does he say in that letter again? What are his last? Essentially, that he was bringing them together. Mm-hmm. You know, that that he couldn't be with them, but he could. He could, you know, bring them back together. The thing that separated. He was the thing that separated them. I guess is mm-hmm. what he thought. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that his... I mean, he's an unreliable narrator. I don't think he has full Mm self-awareness at all. So, I mean, you know, maybe the best thing for him is to (laughs) go off into the the wilderness, you know. Um, I don't think he's going to go off and completely disintegrate as a personality again. The way Like, that was a complete breaking down and fragmentation of who he was into nothingness. Like, complete absence of... Of indi- of anything, personhood. Yeah. That he had to like wander <laughs> in the desert for forty days and forty nights or yeah. something in order to come home. Yeah. It's a movie about journeys. I it's I don't know, it's interesting. It's it's like he's choosing not to do the work to be better. Or maybe he's well, this choosing is him being better. Yeah, it's choosing and him being better is not being selfish. Yeah. It's about bringing about doing yeah. what is right for them. Yeah, or what he feels is right. Yeah, I think Jane feels it's right too. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I you know, he's certainly a flawed character. I mean, like you really appreciate like he's so good at portraying that sort of sense of loneliness and and. I don't know, but I, 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 I think maybe he's maybe he's being less selfish or something like that. But it, I mean, to me, it just feels like taking an easy way out, you know, rather than working on himself and being there. You know, to me, it's selfish that he took the child away from the people who had given him stability and comfort after his family disintegrated, you know, 
it but feels like he's resting. also <laughs> yeah. mending a rift that those people are not going to be able to yeah. mend without some sort of direct yeah confrontation like well, that. Th- and then he develop he redevelops this relationship with the kid and then goes away you know which is like a second well, abandonment we, we don't you know? know if he's gone forever that's true we don't true. know that he's not going to send postcards and yeah. audio letters or appear for visits or anything we yeah, don't know any of true. that you can write that you can project what to some extent yeah what you could see him doing i think that but there we, still is a, don't, we still don't get a full idea of, like, we don't end up, don't fully get how Hunter ended up in... L.A.? In L.A. They said that somebody dropped him off. Well, we presume Jane dropped yeah, him off. Yeah, she must have dropped him off or, or something. She you didn't know. feel capable of... Yeah. But, I mean... being a mother. And it's interesting, because, like, in his monologue, he says that she was saying that... She he trapped her by getting her pregnant and all of this stuff like that. No. So I mean, like, I I don't know that anyone in that particular situation was prepared to be a parent. You yeah, know? he liked the idea of the child because of what it symbolized, and then I don't know. I don't know. Well, this it's, was this the, is a very complicated. Uh, so the move in the in in the middle section of the movie, he gets to develop a relationship with his son by blood for the first time ever like he didn't have that connection when he was a child probably although there's that wonderful moment where they look at the super 8 movies yeah um walt his brother has some old super 8 films of of travis and jane and baby hunter basically Mm -hmm. or toddler hunter they're from in Gal- family Galveston or something like that, I think is where it was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, and it's just played with, let's, you want to watch some of the old movies I have? Super 8. What's Super 8? You know. Well, it's, and, it's and funny. I think they... with music over it as you watch <laughs> yeah. these amazingly reconstructed, like, f- fragments of family <laughs> life on beaches and mm. stuff like that. With you, You've seen that done badly before yeah. in other movies <laughs> but basically it's that wonder years kind of effect yeah. of like crackly film and and mm-hmm. uh you know weird or we just watched moments. um the the kodak carousel um episode of madman of madman yeah, yeah. where don sells kodak yeah. um on the carousel it was a great kodak ad. yeah no, it was more than, it was more resonant <laughs> than that because you had um some acoustic rye cooter playing yes. over it too um well, it's interesting to me because, like, the the son says, Hunter says, he doesn't have a memory of his mother other than what's on the film, you know. I mean, like, I think at three, I don't know the development of, of children that well, but I think that, like, most people's earliest memories are somewhere around four to five. So mm. really this is sort of at the edges. Is He could probably retain sort of an... Um, and that might have been like just watching those movies, which they said he had watched previously before mm-hmm. they'd showed him on a number of occasions. Um, that that his they you know his only memories of them is 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 the are these films and like you know he asked the question, "Did you love her a lot?" Because it looked like you know from the mm-hmm. film that he loved her a lot, you know. Um, which is interesting because in the chronology of the story that he tells that scene actually is like after the relationship has already started to deteriorate so 
you know, and so on vacation, I guess they're able to recapture some of that yeah. sort of joy, joyful early sort of thing. But um, I don't know. It's tough. Relationships are tough. <laughs> so, and then she tried to burn him. <laughs> or she, yeah, the or, monologue uh, in the monologue, <laughs> he says, "I woke up and the it was like a burning bed kind of thing." Well, right? he so he tied her to the stove. So mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe it just happened. I my, or if she just got I mad and, that she burned the tried to burn the house, burn the house, down, house down with him down, in it or the trailer fled. down. Yeah. So, um, in reading again about the source of the, you know, about the writing and the, and how this, the story developed and stuff like that, it's probably no surprise that, <laughs> that Sam Shepard is more of an intuitive, like moment by moment mm. kind of writer and which makes him a good match for Vim Benders yeah. who typically doesn't have a script. Like yeah. they're both moment to my moment. People. They didn't rehearse. They just so went and they shot. were just writing together and they were going, moving forward beat by beat and so they really struggle like what is it like they don't even like asking that question where is this going (laughs) i came across a quote uh, an interview with sam shepherd where he's like i just don't like that kind of writing of having to think the way that hollywood thinks about what is where is it all going and what is the big thing that happens and so they actually kind of struggled with that quite a bit and it was i think the contribution of the other screenwriter kit carson Hunter Carson's father, um, who him and Vim came up with the peep show Mm -hmm. situation where it would end up with that. And then um, Sam Shepard like said, that was amazing. It was brilliant. It was like the thing we were looking for that felt right once they stumbled on it. And he's, and then he wrote all the dialogue of that monologue and stuff to, to, for, for them to inhabit and play. So it was really a great, instance of collaboration yeah you know whose film is it it's their film i love the way it sort of slowly unveils until all of a sudden everything comes out all at once you know Mm -hmm. it's like we get drips and drabs and like breadcrumbs and then all of a sudden there's you know a big yeah, cathartic release of of all the all the stored up imp- you know, we find out why he's so lonely and so sad and you know what caused this thing to blow up in the first place and we find out all of that, you know, in one sort of like concentrated Yeah, the movie um gives you all of these questions in the yeah. beginning and it does slowly reveal them just almost effortlessly like as you move through the piece mm-hmm. with the, with Travis. Yeah. So I'm really eager to show you other Vin Benders movies. Yeah. I mean, probably more rec- I mean, <laughs> sooner than if we were to cover any on the show. Because, yeah. of course, like we've never redone. We've never we have not yet repeated a director on the show, as I far wanna, as I know, I even I though know. we're getting very close to yeah. where I'm like, I want to show another Jarmusch yeah. movie or something <laughs> like that. And um, there's another Mike Lee I want to do that will make up for yeah. Naked. <laughs> but. I, I, so, I didn't dislike Megan. I just I had a very strong reaction to the main character. Well, it was a great experience <laughs> viewing that and working through it and talking about what it all means. Yeah. And, you know, who was I then and where am I now and all of that. Yeah. I mean, hell, I was Travis back then. No, I wasn't. 
<laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's it's <laughs> Not it's the teenager. optimist in me. I mean, like I very much enjoy films that have ambiguous endings. Um, I guess this one did end up with a note of hope. It's a different note of hope than... It's not a Hollywood ending. No, no. A lot of a lot of traditional viewers would probably yeah. come out and say, well, what happened? Yeah. What's going on? I, 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 I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, I guess... Since since it's not a... And people are complicated, but I I don't fully understand the idea of loving someone too much where you can't. But maybe, you know, that there there are people who do understand that, that like loving something so much that you're obsessed and controlling. And, well, that's what the circumstance you know. we're given is. That's the fact we're yeah. told. That's yeah. how, what his, that's what his yeah. all-consuming yeah. possessive love for, yeah. for Jane was. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know, you know, the, the, you know, psychology part of me, or I don't know, feels like that, that need to control is separate from from love, you yeah. know. But if he can't separate that, then well, we can debate about yeah. <laughs> whether that's love or something else. Yeah. I mean, we're, yeah. he's calling that love. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting that he was still. I mean, even after four years, still so impacted by it, you know, because you would think that 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 would lessen somewhat over time. That that I don't know, you know. Well, yeah, but at four years to the day or whatever, he's yeah. wandering the desert without a voice, yeah. like completely carrying a, a a gallon jug of water and in the red. It's iconic that yeah. image of of the lonely man with the with the stubbled yeah. face and the the red cap on and the the jug of water. Like yeah. they made advertise. There was a car ad or something yeah. that that stole that yeah. image. <laughs> I can't remember what it was yeah. for, but there was an image. There was an image for something stupid that had that that totally lifted that shot of him in the desert. With Interesting. The, back then, I don't know. I just so you know when they're describing what happened at the end, when he's describing what actually happened at the end, like I, I've had those moments. Luckily, not like burning the house down, sort of things, but where something happened, and like you have this moment of knowing that whatever you do next like you could at this moment choose to do something that would change your life forever and so like her burning down the thing was you know he was left with that moment of life was one way one day and completely something changed completely decisive in all changing yeah so there's like this so i understand i mean like i remember moments where you know in in my you know, where things could have been differently if I had decided to to leave instead of coming back home in, yeah. in my previous relationships and that sort of thing. And like feeling that that fear of not knowing what's happening next, you know, and like how how you don't know how to proceed mm-hmm. once that, you know, because there are some things that are so bad that you just can't. You can't come. You, your life has to change after that because there's no, there's no coming back from. It's literally a burn it all down moment. Yeah, yeah, essentially. So, I don't know. Or just keep going on the way things are. So I can see how that not knowing what to do next might 
you know, be your four years wandering in the desert sort of thing. Like, I don't know how to make, I don't know what life looks like after that, you know? Yeah. I I scribbled down um, a quote or two from Sam Shepard about the ending and why he leaves it the way he does. And, and maybe there's something here that's interesting, (laughs) but, um, he says about the ending for me, it comes out of this realization that even patching up something that was broken isn't enough. The real thing that's broken is in him. And in order to fulfill that, in order to see what the nature of that is, he has to see it alone. And even pulling together the broken pieces of the past isn't enough. What has finally to come about is to bring together the broken pieces in himself and he has to do it alone. So that's basically what he comes to. He brings them together, but then he has to bring himself together. Yeah. So his interpretation is that now he has to go off and do, I yeah. think, the work that the you're hard talking. Work, yeah. The hard work. And so this is just, like, in terms of his journey, this is the next, that bringing yeah. them together is is the next step, but now he has to go off and yeah. keep working on himself. To know. Yeah. I can say that. It's lonely work. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, as many great works of film or drama point out, like, that, that loneliness is only highlighted when you're unable to connect to the people that you care about yeah. the most, you know. So, you know, the road is a lonely place, but it's lonelier when you find your people and can't connect with them, you know? It's interesting that Vim Vendors says he doesn't really make films for story, Mm. you know? But for me, the films that work better are the ones that are either a collaboration or an adaptation of something else that somebody else has written. And... I know that he has this process of finding the film and the poetry of the images and the way the images work with music and it hopefully coming to something. But a lot of, a lot of the films meander a lot and are yeah. very long. In fact, I ha- I'm really excited because I didn't even realize this, but I wanted the uh, Criterion just reissued a complete version of his film until the end of, the world mm. until the end of the world is that right um which i've never seen but i don't remember it being very well reviewed at the time it, it's in it was late 80s or early 90s and it had william hurt and i don't know youtube music and now there's a four-hour version of it that's supposed <laughs> to be much closer to what he was after I don't know. Does he find the film in that meandering journey? Sometimes. But I tend to connect more to Paris, Texas. And another one I really, really like is The American Friend, which um, he did in mid-70s, 75. And that's an adaptation of a Patricia Highsmith um, thriller. Mm -hmm. It's actually one of the Ripley's books. Yeah. You know, know, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Ripley's game it's his his take on Ripley's game so it has like at the core of it it has like a thriller plot but then it's a Vim Vendor's version of a thriller plot yeah. where it has the room to meander and have weird open-ended ambiguity and and be about images and stuff too and that's I don't know t- that still works better to me than 
I'm going to wander around for four months and try and make a movie. <laughs> Incidentally. Yeah. Just unrelated. Other than it's about the talented Mr. Ripley. I like that film a lot better than the Tom Hanks. Oh, no. The the Steven Spielberg. Um, what? The one. So like the the ones where people change their change their. Anyway, talented Mr. Ripley is better. Then what? <sighs> Catch me if you can. I've never seen that. Okay. Well, just so you know. <laughs> okay. But that's not a Patricia Highsmith or anything. Well, Talented Mr. Ripley is. Yeah, but I... Well, I'm just... The so they have similar... Me? Well, they... You know, people who Are they about of, identity? Yeah, and sort of, um, you know, tricking people into... to It's... it's Anyway, it's There similar. are so many... Tan, major tangent. There are so <laughs> many good and interesting films based on Patricia Highsmith Ripley novels. Mm. There's at least three different versions of Ripley's Game. Mm. American Friend by Vim Vendors is one of them. There's a version with John Malkovich called Ripley's Game done in the 90s or 2000s. I think I saw a bit of that one. Um, there's a French version of the talented Ripley mm. called um, Purple Noon, mm. which I've actually never seen, but um, it's supposed to be very interesting. Good. It's got um, Ellen Delon. Was Highsmith, did she write Carol too? She is wrote Carol. Very, um, so good. Yeah. Love her um, subtle, subtly, or not subtly. Her, her queer great. characters are fantastic. I love them. Yeah. So, yeah. That's based on a, a novel she wrote called The Price of Salt, which was more or less some sort of a memoir, basically. I mean, it was, came out of out of life to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> more closely, the, the based, adaptations more of closely based on her life yeah. than the Ripley books, I would, <laughs> I would venture to say. Um, I, before we go, uh, I wanted to mention some of the other performances in the movie. Like, how did you, what did you feel about what Nastasia Kinski and what she brings to this character who basically is a listener a lot of the time? Yeah. Like, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the film. She's no. in that room. Yeah. Well, I think that in a lot of ways that she, I mean, she doesn't really... I mean, we know what her actions were. We know about the results of her decisions, but we don't really understand. I mean, like, I guess she has a little bit where she's able to respond to to what he says, but she doesn't really argue with his viewpoint of things, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, we don't get much of a sense of her, so I feel like she's a metaphor, you know, of... Like of, Paris, Texas? Uh, yes, like Paris, Texas of, you know, he has that interesting thing where he talks about his mother, too. Mm-hmm. Well, you that know. was the Paris, Texas connection, yeah. wasn't it? Like, his father... And, that's where he and was conceived? His, Is that what Paris, Texas was? He tells stories so differently, because, like, in one scene he says it's... Um, that his father used to joke that um, he met her in Paris... And then he would like wait, wait a, a beat. beat and then say Texas, Texas. and then just And he laugh. told it as a joke. Laugh and laugh and laugh. But later he told it as if it was a p- perpetual put down. Like he was making fun of her or something like that. Like for... this is the woman I found in Paris, Texas yeah. or whatever. You know, like yeah. it sounded more like she's a small town nobody. Yeah. At first it sounded romantic and then it sounds... And kind of charming, like a funny dad thing to say. And then it just sounded like the insult that he would do forever. So maybe it was he learned something about how he treats women from 
his father. Well, what is know? the resonance of Paris, Texas yeah. for him? He carries around that photograph mm. of the of the vacant lot. He bought he bought some land when it was cheap once in hopes that that he would live he there. He would build a homestead there and live with Jane and Hunter. It's near the Red River. So, is he going off to Paris, Texas as the film ends? Maybe, maybe he's going there. You know, the the little town that after he has the first conversation yeah. with her, they kind of drive off. Um, they drive a couple hours away before deciding to turn so around. So there's a little town called Nordheim is where that was filmed. I but didn't catch it's that. interesting. It, it looked very much like the town I visited yesterday when I went to meet my mom to pick up my dog. Coleman. Coleman, Texas. But like similarly, all brick, red brick buildings, yeah. you know. Um, looked like it had been prosperous at one time and is now sort of vacant downtown, which is there's so many little towns in Texas that look like that now. You know, everybody moves to the big city. Lubbock. Lubbock. <laughs> Something else interesting about <laughs> Nastasia Kinski was she kind of had a twang sometimes when she spoke, and then yeah. sometimes you could hear the undercurrent of her accent. Mm. And so I was. I was, in my mind, I was shifting between, could she not quite get the accent? And I thought, no, I actually like the idea of her being another European woman who's kind of putting that on in her role in the the, the accent. in her, so, so that she has now kind of a, a, a strange accent. Well, she wrote, like, some diary entries for her character oh, yeah. as part of her sort of... Um, but like the backstory that she wrote is that, that she was all, she was from Europe. And, okay, see, and, you know, that, so that makes me happy because I could hear some of her. <laughs> Boy, the brothers really had a type, though. It was funny in the I mentioned this one in the he in has the super a blonde reel. French woman. Yeah, Anne is a blonde French woman. Walt, and yeah. then they both had like curly, floppy blonde hair, uh-huh. and you know, in the in the videos, you could when their faces were obscure, you could barely tell it's the difference like, between them. Look, you know, dark-haired, lanky man, <laughs> d- d- man, yeah. and blonde, curly-haired <laughs> European wife. Yeah, two of them, two sets. Yeah, which is interesting, you know, given that their father, you know, yeah, played up the she's from Paris, but then not. Yeah. Kind of thing. I don't know. It's, maybe that started their fascination. With so you it. haven't seen any other Vin Benders movie? I don't think so. All right. So we have to do Wings of Desire sometime. I want to show you one of his early movies, Alice in the Cities, which is part of the Road Trilogy that he did. And um, The American Friend. Not all on this show. Yes. But uh, <laughs> at some point. Maybe some of them sooner while we're thinking Vin Benders. I don't know. Yeah got to work these into our regular mm. viewing we can't just watch the good interesting deep and resonant movies for the show that's right o- only only o- only we can watch those um i'll just mention before we go that uh, repo man had we not seen it before the yeah before we recorded the it would have been prime discussion for for this show um it was unfortunately we just watched it before we got a mic so (laughs) yeah well maybe you guys can chime in on this but we've been kicking around the idea of um gathering up some of those movies that were important to us that we watched together introduced each other to before we started doing the show and so i think of them now as kind of 
casualties, you yeah. know, or like like <laughs> mi- lost missed opportunities. And yeah. so Repo Man is definitely one of them. Another big one that I think would have been good to talk about is um, Something Wild by Jonathan. Demme. Yeah, that was so good. Um, and Blow Up, the Antonioni oh, film. Oh, yeah, oh, I forgot about Blow Up. So maybe yeah. we should do a roundup episode Blow or two so at some point. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I feel like we didn't get to have the hour-long conversation but about But not until I've seen all of Contempt. <laughs> yeah, well, that that was in the short list for my yeah. pick this week. But I, I just this just was the right time for yeah. Paris, Texas. So here we are. I think that's about all I have. And for a whole spring of uh, dysfunctional relationships, looking forward to it. (laughs) Do I only choose choose movies about dysfunctional relationships? I think they only make movies about dysfunctional relationships. I don't know, but we should go through and count up how many movies about like loners who are emotionally disconnected I've picked because I think there are a number of them. Yeah, I think so. What does that mean? Said the emotionally disconnected loner who has a podcast. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not feeling very emotionally disconnected anymore. No, good. I'll just say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts about Paris, Texas, or about my emotional disconnection? Um. No, I just I feel like it's it's weird that Paris, Texas. I think it's been murmured on the lips of so many people as a movie that I would enjoy for so long. And it's weird to me. Did you consciously avoid it in some way? Like, I I don't have the energy to deal with Paris, Texas. It just never came. I mean, but I remember, I mean, I don't specifically remember my dad saying it, but it totally seems like a film that he would have watched and would have loved and would have been looking for an opportunity to show me. But I know that, like, my friends from college said it was great. I've had tons of conversations with various people over the years that were like, have you seen Paris, Texas? And I was like, no, I haven't seen Paris, Texas. So I just love it. I, and I, <laughs> I think it's for me, the Harry Dean Stanton movie and mm. it's the Vim Benders movie and it's the Sam Shepard movie. It's like, and it's the Ry Cooter movie. I mean, yeah. it's so many things. The Ry Cooter. I can't the say it. We'll have to get that soundtrack maybe at some okay. point. All right. Well, right. we'll be back in. T- we're we're going to go back to a normal, normal schedule. schedule. We're sorry we've been away for a month, um, but well, I don't know depending. why we thought we were going to be able to get anything out sooner than this. It's a time of like trips and family and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. But hopefully, we're back on schedule. Yeah, we'll be back in about two weeks with uh, Ashley's pick. Uh, uh, You're in, under no pressure or obligation to tell me what that is. Okay, right now. I'll think about it. Okay, I thought I had a list of stuff, but it's completely escaping my brain now. So that's okay. It just needs to come back to your brain sometime in the yeah. next two weeks. All right. Well, um, tell your friends about our show. Review yes. us on iTunes. Give us a star rating or a quick review, and it'll help other people find us. Look us up on Facebook. Just search "Shut Up." Watch this. Join uh, the Facebook uh, group. It's not a group. It's just a uh, just like us, and you'll see what we're up to. Follow it's us on a Instagram page. I think. It's just a page. Yeah. You'll see when we drop new episodes. <laughs> they always or want our phone number. <laughs> you could just subscribe to the show on your favorite Facebook podcast app. Facebook not have my phone number. <laughs> and uh, new episodes will drop as we post them. All right. Like this one that we're supposed to drop today. today. It is Wednesday. You will be hearing this tonight. All right. All right. Blurb writing. Blurb writing. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.